For 90 years, Haven Ministry has always had a focus on Great Commission work around the world. Whether that mission field is in North America, where the ministry was founded, or closed countries where it's dangerous to be a follower of Christ, Haven often highlights how Christ is at work in the world today. And that's what we do and will do on today's episode of the Great Stories Podcast. Only instead of me, Charles Morris, in the interviewer's seat, Haven Today's new host behind the microphone having a conversation with Jews for Jesus President David Brickner is David Woolen. Now you might recall that three months have now passed since Hamas invaded Israel, sparking a war in the Middle East that continues to go on. Well, following that initial attack, Haven listeners responded by sending support to those in need. In a moment, you'll hear David Brickner offering updates from the field on how this support has been used to feed Israelis physically, but just as important, more important, spiritually. And you'll also hear a great discussion on how Jews for Jesus help their own people find Jesus in the Hebrew Scriptures something we all need to see, whether we're Jew or Gentile. So let me hand it over now to David Wollen. This is Haven Today. I'm David Wollen, and I'm joined by another David, David Brickner from Jews for Jesus. You were on with Charles just a few months ago, but this is our first chance to talk on the air. So welcome back to Haven Today. Well, thank you, David. Shalom. It's great to be back. And I just want to start by saying how grateful we and Jews for Jesus are to Haven. Uh, You have been a partner with us in many different ways, and especially in this last most consequential season of our work in Israel. You and all of your listeners have been uh, big supporters and prayer partners with us to see the gospel proclaimed even in the midst of this difficult time for Mm -hmm. Israel. And I want to thank you guys for being a part of the Lord's hands and feet in making that a reality in Israel today. Well, it's our pleasure. And I will echo that thanks, but I'll direct it towards all who are listening, uh, because they're the ones who who did this. Uh, so, I'll, in fact, I, I looked up the number this morning. So, uh, Hamas invaded Israel. The war began uh, three months ago, just a, or a little bit more than that. And pretty quickly, you jumped on the air with Charles, and listeners provided support in the amount of $214,000. That far surpasses uh, any expectations that we had, and and maybe that's a good spot for us to start today, because the conflict's been going on for three months, and can you give us any updates from the field uh, as, as the ministry has been doing so much during this very difficult season? Yes, and uh, because of the um, generosity of your listeners, we've been able to do a tremendous amount of help uh, in in terms of providing for those over a quarter of a million Israelis who've been displaced. We called it our Feed the 5,000, so about 5,000 boxes of groceries and supplies per week were going out through the months of uh, October, November, and December. And uh, 2,000 hot meals a day were being prepared. Um, And, of course, as we bring these needed supplies, uh, we brought supplies to soldiers on the front line. Um, There were opportunities to share the gospel 
uh, mm. to provide New Testaments for those interested. And I can tell you that during the last three months, the requests for uh, the Hebrew New Testament from Israelis mm. has more than doubled uh, what it normally is. And so that's an indication of just the great spiritual hunger that comes even in the midst of this dark time. And I could tell you, David, stories of miracles that occurred. I'll just give you one. Mm. When uh, October 7th hit, it traumatized the nation and, uh, and the nation is still experiencing trauma. The, the hostages are still being held in Gaza and so it's it's a difficult time. We had a memorial service on November 7th, and we invited the community to come to uh, light candles, to pray, to hear songs and psalms sung. And we had a, a large number of unbelieving Israelis who came and were able to hear the gospel. And there was one man who came named Yosef. Yosef comes from a religious background in Israel, and he came with lots of questions that were more like accusations. Mm. He was very antagonistic, and he said, well, we'll put that aside for what this uh, memorial service is, but I don't like what you guys believe. So we did our best to answer his objections and invited him to come back for the service the following week. And he came back with more questions, but of a very different sort, because mm. in between those two events, Yosef had had a vision of Jesus, really? had become a believer. Uh, he didn't even know what born again meant, but he had been born again by the power of the Holy Spirit. And now Yosef is being eagerly discipled by our Jews for Jesus staff there in Israel. Wow. And that's just one example of how God works, even in the darkest of times. It's a bad time for Israel, but it's a good yes. time for the gospel. Mm -hmm. In a sense, as the war has gone on, you're doing what you always do, which is share Christ uh, with with Israelis as they're in the nation. But then you have a ministry to Jews all around the world. And uh, this week um, on Haven, we're talking about Christ and all the scriptures. Um, and we, there's a there's a book that uh, Haven has published, Christ and all the scriptures. It's a 365 day reading schedule that walks you from Genesis one all the way through the end of Revelation and helps us see Christ in all the scriptures. And we were talking about this, and I was thinking we really need to talk with David Brickner because you know, what your ministry is doing today is not that different from what the Apostle Paul was doing uh, in the time of the early church. He was pulling out the Hebrew scriptures and sharing the gospel from them and pointing to Jesus. Uh, so I was thinking this, this is something that you could speak to in a contemporary context. And I'm just curious, where's your mind when you go to share the gospel um, with a Jewish person? Well, of course, this has been foundational for Jewish ministry, and it was really how Jesus equipped those first Jews for Jesus uh, to go and to share the gospel. After his resurrection, uh, there's a wonderful story, one of my favorites, where he appears in a room where the doors are locked, and he addresses this very subject to his early followers, and it's in Luke 24, mm -hmm. verse 44. It says, and then he said to them, these are the words which I spoke to you while I was still with you, that all things must be fulfilled, which were written in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms concerning me. 
and he opened their understanding that they might comprehend the scriptures. And so it's very interesting to see how Luke phrases that because he refers to what's commonly understood as the three sections of the Older Testament, the Jewish Bible, the Hebrew scriptures, the law of Moses, which is Torah, Mm -hmm. the prophets, which in Hebrew is Nevi'im, and the Psalms or the writings, which is Ketuvim. And what the Jewish people do is they take the beginning phrase of each of those words, Torah, Nevi'im, and Ketuvim, and talk about the Bible as Tanakh. Tanakh is the Hebrew scriptures. And Jesus said, all of these things and all these three sections that you know about were written about me. And you need to open your understanding. You need to open your mind to understand all of this, which was predicted beforehand. And so Mm -hmm. I've been living uh, as a missionary to the Jews now for over 45 years. I've been living with these texts And I'm grateful that God has given me the opportunity to work with Moody Publishing to come up with this book that will unpack 12 uh, of these really amazing prophecies from the Hebrew Scriptures. And there's no question that my Jewish people uh, are oftentimes persuaded to follow Jesus because they see him in Mm. their own Bible and that's one of the tasks of someone who's trying to reach Jewish people with the Gospels to demonstrate that it's not just the New Testament that talks about That's Jesus, right. but he's in the entire Hebrew Bible. And we need to we need to get excited about that and understand that and be able to share those wonderful truths with people. Mm. Well, perhaps then you could uh, give us a little for example. Is there is there a place that you would typically start? Is there a pivotal passage or two that seem to be effective when you are when you're opening um, the, the the Hebrew Scriptures and pointing to a starting spot? Well, this won't surprise too many of our students of the Scriptures to hear me say this, but the most often referred to messianic prophecy in the hebrew scriptures is found in the book of isaiah Mm -hmm. some call it the gospel according to isaiah and it is isaiah chapter 53 which is one of the servant songs of the book of isaiah of isaiah but it uh it really does paint a beautiful picture of jesus as the suffering servant we know In the Jewish mindset, the Messiah is coming, but the idea of him being a suffering servant is hardly understood, hardly known. And so oftentimes, many times, and I refer to this in the book, um, I'll sit down with the Jewish person and say, uh, let me read to you a passage uh, from the Bible and uh, you tell me who you think the, uh, the author is speaking of. And I'll read or have them read Isaiah chapter 53. And they'll say to me, oh, well, that's obviously Jesus, but Mm. you're reading from the New Testament. And then I like to point out, oh, no, actually, this is written by Isaiah, a nice Jewish boy who wrote 700 years before the coming of Jesus. And uh, it is uh, a dilemma for rabbis to explain how it is that something so obviously talking about Jesus can be found in the Hebrew prophets. 
Uh, and it's very clear. So that's really the most go-to passage, if you will, of all of the various prophecies in the in the Jewish Bible. And uh, so, but there are many others, of course. Of course. Well, and I'm glad you took us there and even described it the way that you did, uh, because that is one of the great tensions of the Old Testament, isn't it? There is an expectation uh, that there is a greater son of David coming, that there, there is a messianic expectation. Uh, and and even, even the structure of, of the Tanakh, which differs from the, the Christian Old Testament, uh, leads us that direction. It's, it's who, is this, who is this great king in the line of David going to be? But then you have to reconcile it with these passages like Isaiah 53 that seem, well, how can these both be true? It feels like an irreconcilable tension, but that's because we have human expectations, right? We always bring our human expectations to God's Word, uh, and, and ultimately, Christ is the only one who perfectly fulfills every one of those tensions. That's beautiful. Absolutely. And of course, for me and for Juice for Jesus, one of the challenges is not trying to show uh, how Isaiah 53 speaks of Jesus, but just to mm. get a Jewish person to open their own Bible. Mm. You know, Jewish people have been called the people of the book because it was through Israel and her prophets that we have the scriptures. Even the New Testament was written by Jewish people. Some say, say that, you know, Luke was a Gentile. Uh, well, that may or may not be the case, but he was a doctor. So, you know, maybe <laughs> Luke, uh, Luke was Jewish too. I don't know. But the point is that God brought the scriptures to the world through yeah. the Jewish people. They're the people of the book. And yet most of my people don't know their Bible. They really have never read uh, Isaiah 53. They've never read most of the scriptures. And so there's a, there's a, a sense of respect uh, mm. for the Bible, but you know, you can't assume when you're talking to a Jewish person that they believe that the Bible is the Word of God. And so it doesn't mean that we shouldn't go there with them, but we can ask them, well, what do you think? Uh, who, what do you think this is about? You know, have you read the Bible? And uh, oftentimes mm. when some, God is at work in somebody's heart, there's a hunger for, their, for the Scriptures. Yeah. And so uh, whether it be Old or New Testament, when you see a Jewish person who says, I, I want to read the Bible, Yes. You've got somebody that God's Holy Spirit is at work in their heart. That's right. That's right. And I'm going to I'm going to insert right there that that is still something that the Holy Spirit is doing in the hearts of people as God calls us to himself. Uh, you referred to Luke 24 a little bit earlier, the, the, the second half of it, um, which is which is there back in Jerusalem with with the larger group of disciples. But then there's the the Emmaus Road uh, encounter, which Charles has been talking about in this series and did a couple of days on um, a couple of weeks ago. And 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 in that passage, we we see that their hearts were burning within them as Christ was speaking to them. That, that same thing still happens today. And uh, so for our listeners today, are you longing for more of God's Word? Is, is what we're talking about uh, a bit of a mystery to you, but you've got a little bit of a, a longing to enter in and maybe begin to read God's Word for the first time? We'd invite you to do that uh, with the resource that we have on the Haven Today website, 
Christ in All the Scriptures, which is uh, available for your gift. And that's something that Charles and I and many others are doing this year, reading through the Bible in a year. And we invite you to do that with us as we look for Jesus on every page of Scripture. And he is there uh, for for those who are eager to see him and grow closer. David, maybe let's let's go a different direction. Uh, you've brought us to Isaiah fifty-three, uh, but you you mentioned even in your book, there's there's twelve different places that you uh, that you go. Where else Where else would you take us? Well, we have to start at the beginning, and uh, in Genesis chapter three, uh, uh, scholars call this passage the Proto Evangelion, the the mm. first announcement of the gospel, and it is the story of the encounter. In the garden uh, with, mm. with uh, the serpent, and uh, that passage is remarkable. Uh, mm. I will put enmity between you, that mm. God is speaking to the serpent, and mm. the woman, and between your seed and her seed. He shall bruise your head, and you shall bruise his heel. Uh, the idea that the Messiah would come from the seed of the woman is kind of like a shock in the very beginning of the Bible, because the seed of the woman is a, it, it's a, it's a counterintuitive phrase because mm. you don't, you don't see in uh, culture talk about the seed of the woman. It's the seed That's of true. the man. That's so right. This is not only an explanation of why things are so messed up in the world today, <laughs> mm. but also a prediction, the very early prediction of the virgin birth of the Messiah and right. his eventual conquering of the serpent and the evil intention of Satan to bring destruction. It's God's promise of salvation in its earliest form, and woven into these few words are so much of the dynamism of God's plan of salvation for the whole world. Hmm. I, I'm curious in, in these in these conversations that you have uh, and that your team has all over the world with Jews, are there common stumbling blocks or or things that people get stuck on um, as you are as you're sharing Christ? I mean, is it is it is are they are they are there cultural things that are, are sort of barriers? Is it is it scriptural things? Where, where do you find that people have a difficult time coming? closer to Christ and, and, and owning him as their Messiah? David, all of the above. <laughs> you know, uh, it depends on the individual, um, how open they are to exploring the, uh, the truths of the Scripture. Um, many, you know, don't want to read the Bible because they don't believe it's the Word of God. And so you start with um, asking the question. I mean, in fact, Genesis 3 asks that mm. question, why are things so messed up in the world? You know, we, mm. we uh, I had a, a, a little kid come to uh, uh, visit my home, and he was probably about four years old, and he kept on mm. asking why. Why this? Why that? Why, you know, why did my dog bark? You know, why did mm. the toast pop out of the toaster? He, he, he had this insatiable curiosity and uh, that's something that God has given to all of us. And yet the older we grow in our you know, natural life, the less and less curious we become. And, mm. and I think that God has given us in his word things to spark our curiosity, questions that will you know, ultimately lead us 
to uncovering one of the greatest mysteries of all. Why is the world broken? And is there a solution to the problems that we encounter in our lives? And right from the very beginning here in Genesis chapter 3, we find an an answer unfolding as to why there is brokenness in the world and why Mm. is it God so specifically Mm. gave this evidence concerning the coming of the one who would crush the head Mm. of the serpent and in the Mm. same time have his heel bruised. Mm. You know, we see this uh, unfolding drama right from this verse in Genesis 3 that then becomes the pattern, if you will, the unfolding of the plan of God, uh, the, the the little diamonds in, in the rough that begin to uh, paint a picture, if you will, on the canvas yes. of God's word concerning his plan to save people. Yes, yes. And then and then history it, uh, goes on. In fact, in Genesis, it gets it very quickly. We're, we're all the way up to Abraham, uh, which I, you haven't told me, but I'm guessing that's another that's another spot that you're going to stop and, and focus on. Absolutely. Genesis 12, God had a family that he wanted to use to bring about his purpose and plan for salvation. And uh, an unlikely person in Abram uh, and his Mm. wife, Sarah, who had no children. And yet he said, you know, I'm going to make of you a great nation. And in you, all the families of the earth will be blessed. And I'll bless those who bless you. And the one Mm -hmm. who curses you, I will curse. And, and, that promise, the Abrahamic covenant, uh, became foundational to seeing how God would bring about right. this plan of salvation. I was thinking about how the the, the pattern in which God uh, causes these these themes uh, that you've been describing to, in a sense, they're they're along the way. There are often kind of these mini fulfillments, but then they get bigger and bigger. Even in the course of the end of uh, the book of Genesis, we see the life of Joseph uh, showing that to be true. Already the seed of Abraham has become a blessing to nations outside the family of, of Jacob, the nation of Israel. Uh, you know, the, 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 the known world of, of that time had a terrible famine. And here, because of the, the seed uh, of Abraham, already an, a nation of the world is being blessed that is not Israel. Um, but then you've, you fast forward that all the way to, to Christ and truly all the nations of the world are being blessed through him. Absolutely. You know, Joseph is such a beautiful type, a picture of the Messiah and rejected by his own, bringing blessing to the nations of the world and ultimately restoring his own brothers to himself, uh, what you meant for evil, God meant for good, That's that right. many might be saved. And so we see that turning now of Jewish people back to their their Joseph, their, their brother, whom they had despised. And right now, Jews for Jesus and our partnership with you guys at Haven, we're sowing seeds for the harvest that's yet to come. Hmm. Amen. Amen. David Brickner, I really want to pose this question to you today, thinking about our non-Jewish listeners, Gentiles like me, um, why is it important today uh, for Christians to read the Old Testament? In fact, I had a conversation this morning uh, with with someone talking about who is interested in reading their Bible through uh, for the first time. 
and we were just looking at the number of pages in the Old Testament versus the number of pages in the New, and it's formidable, and there's so many parts of it that may seem strange or outside of our uh, our awareness, and so we get, you know, we're afraid of getting stuck or not understanding, but what are we going to miss if, if, as Christians, we don't read the Old Testament? Well, David, it's two-thirds of the Bible, so... Um, and we need to recognize it is the Bible of the Lord Jesus himself. Amen. Uh, he is the word made flesh. And when he referred to the scriptures, he wasn't talking about the New Testament. It hadn't been written yet. He was referring to the Hebrew scriptures. And, you know, when Paul writes to Timothy in, in, in 2 Timothy 3.16, all scripture is inspired by God and is useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. That's a modern paraphrase of those verses. But if, if, we, if we look at that passage and we think, well, what does Paul mean when he says all scripture? He's referring to the, the Hebrew scriptures. And uh, so we dare not ignore what Jesus and Paul thought were so important and relevant. And uh, I know that some people have uh, kind of uh, wanted to minimize uh, the Hebrew scriptures, um, especially some of the more challenging portions of it. Uh, that's an ancient heresy called Marcionism. We don't want to have any part of that. The church has recognized for a long, long time that all 66 books of the Bible are mm -hmm. important for those who would follow after God. And in, in the Old Testament, we, we find that there is an expectation of, of a Messiah. Jesus is fulfillment. But if you don't read it, what's he fulfilling? Uh, you, there's, there's so much depth. It's, it's the soil in which, in which the, the roots uh, of, of what grows out of the coming of Christ in the New Testament um, are constantly drawing from. And so, um, but actually, let me ask a, a question now to, to tack on to that, because I know that your ministry is actively involved uh, every day in, in sharing Christ in all kinds of ways as the, as the Messiah promised in, in the Old Testament, in the Hebrew Scriptures. But do most Jews today, in your experience, have a Messianic expectation? And, uh, you know, if so, what, is that, what does that look like? You know, secularism has really impacted the Jewish community around the world. And so the first and biggest challenge is the lack of knowledge mm. uh, concerning the Bible, the scriptures. And uh, so uh, there is an awareness of a promise concerning the Messiah, but it tends to be more like a folkloric understanding mm. uh, in the minds of most Jewish people. Yeah, some Messiah is going to come. Now, formally, theologically, among the liberal wing of Judaism, they're not so much looking for a messiah, a person, as they are looking for a messianic age, uh, mm. a, a, a time of, of peace. And, and uh, in fact, that's one of the greatest objections that Jewish people will bring uh, concerning Jesus. They'll say, mm. if Jesus is the messiah, why is there no peace in the world? We know that when Messiah comes, there will be peace. And since there's only war and rumor mm -hmm. of war, then Jesus can't be the Messiah. And of mm -hmm. course, those objections that uh, some Jewish people have to uh, the Messiahship of Jesus are based upon 
what they've been told. <laughs> and uh, the rabbis will say, well, this is why Jesus can't be the Messiah, because there's no peace. And, and, and it's not necessarily a well-reasoned objection, uh, but there is that sense of a messianic era rather than a personal Messiah. And so the best thing to do in that case is to say, well, what do you think the, the Bible says about the Messiah? You know, mm -hmm. well, I don't know, <laughs> you know, just that there's supposed to be peace. Well, that's true. And let me show you some of the places where actually there's a promise, uh, you know, and, and so we can go to specific passages because they all ultimately point to Jesus as well. Mm hmm. I was thinking uh, back to that Luke 24 passage. I was reading it just recently, and uh, I, I saw something that I hadn't seen before. Those, those two followers of Jesus were telling the person walking along beside them that they didn't know yet was Jesus, uh, why they were dejected and downhearted, and they, they thought, well, and they, they shared their expectations. We thought that, that, the, that he was the Messiah and that he was going to restore uh, all things, uh, that, that, that he would, they had this sort of nationalistic, expectation of what Jesus was going to do. And when Jesus didn't meet it, at least in their view, then it was time to go. Uh, how, how much our expectations of what, of what God is going to do or what he's supposed to be don't align with what we find in his word. And yet if we'll be a student of it and hear God's words for ourselves, we'll see that it's far bigger and far better than we ever dared imagine. Absolutely. You know, uh, Back in the days when Jesus was on the earth, the hope for Messiah was burning brightly. It, mm -hmm. You know, you had a, a nation that was under the, uh, the thumb of the Romans. They were experiencing oppression, and they, they were longing for a Messiah. And there were a lot of political movements uh, that were active in uh, uh, rejecting uh, the, the, the Roman rule, fighting against Rome. Uh, even some of Jesus' own disciples had tendencies towards that. And so they thought that when Messiah was going to come, he was going to ride in a, on a white horse, you know, throw off the oppression of the Romans, give everybody a four-day work week, you know, mm -hmm. <laughs> solve all of our problems. And that's unfortunately the expectation for so many people today. You know, if God is really real, then how come I'm having problems in my life, you know? Yeah. And uh, these are all intended by God to lead us to him. And uh, Jesus came not on a white horse, but on the foal of a donkey. And that's, that's right. fulfillment of another prophecy of Scripture in Zechariah. So there are all these things, these indications that God is actually working in the uh, the, 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 the lack of, of, of an understanding of, of the people, you know, that he comes in the still small voice instead of the large, you know, signs in the sky. And we, we need to have our hearts tuned toward him, pay attention to his word, pay attention to what he's doing in the world. You know, that a lot of people today are looking at what's going on in the world and in our country, we're in, a, in the midst of a, a very intense a presidential election and people are are wringing their hands but all of That's these right. things god is seated on the throne he's sovereign yes. he's accomplishing his purposes and we have to pay attention to his word to that still small voice of the holy spirit and have hope in him uh, he often speaks a, a a word of hope in the darkest of times and that's what his word does for us as well hmm. uh, amen amen there's chaos 
in the world around us. But the truth is, and sometimes we mask it, but there can be chaos in our own lives. There can be chaos in our own hearts and circumstances. Sometimes it's with people or with the circumstances of our lives. And sometimes it's just with the wrestlings of our own heart, especially if we're aware of the depth of our own sin. And when we are, that can be a gift uh, from God if it drives us to Jesus. Uh, David, as people are listening today, maybe resonating a lot with with what you've said and what they've heard today, would you just would you just lead us in prayer, uh, both for both for the the person who knows Jesus as Lord as Savior, but for the one who is interested but not maybe not convinced, Lord, and that that Jesus is indeed Lord and Savior? Would you would you pray for us and pray for them? Yes, Heavenly Father, we thank you that your hand has been uh, at work in this world, oftentimes unseen, but nevertheless, always working. Lord, we thank you for the truths of your word, the unfolding of your purpose and plan. And I pray for those within the sound of my voice right now that are seeking uh, truth, uh, Lord, your word says, you'll seek me and you'll find me when you search for me with all your heart, and I will be found by you, says the Lord. I pray for those who are really seeking that they would be drawn by your Holy Spirit to the truths of your word, that they would take perhaps this new year of 2024 as a time to really uh, read through the scriptures and ask uh, and seek for your truth. Lord, we know that your your word is truth, and uh, it unfolds and, and reveals the promises that are yes and amen to all of us. And I just pray, God, that those who are seeking would find, even as you promise, and that they would turn their heart to you and, and say, yes, Lord, I believe. And for those who are still struggling, Lord, I believe, help my unbelief because we know that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of Christ. And uh, as we study your word, as we read your word, as we go through the scriptures, you provide through them the faith that will move mountains. Uh, and we just pray, God, that there would be mountains of unbelief that would be moved in the hearts of people who are listening today. And Lord, for those of us who are your children by faith and trust in Jesus, uh, we ask that this uh, this year would be a time of real growth and uh, that the roots of our faith would go down deep into your word so that you would enable us, Lord, to be children of light, that we would shine like the stars in the heavens to bring glory to your holy name and to pass the light of your truth around us to the people who see our lives, who hear our words, and can be drawn to the Savior through us. Lord, we just pray that you renew our confidence in you and in your word, that even though we are living in difficult and dark times, that the light of your word, the truth of the gospel, the glory of Messiah would resonate in our hearts and that we would go from strength to strength through mm -hmm. faith in Jesus. Lord, may your word be alive in our hearts, giving us confidence in you now and for the future. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. David Brickner, president of Jews for Jesus and a faithful servant of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Thank you so much for being on Haven today. 
So thank you, David, and thank you to all of your listeners for partnering with us. Let me say Shalom Aleichem. Peace be unto you. Thanks for joining me on today's episode of Great Stories with Charles Morris. A special thanks to David Wolin and Jews for Jesus President David Brickner for insights into how Christ is on the move in Israel today. And if you'd like to see Jesus in all the Bible, come to our website or call us for a copy of our new book called Christ in All the Scriptures. You can make your gift there at haventoday.org, haventoday.org, or call us at 800-65-HAVEN, 800-65-HAVEN. And of course, if you want to hear more content like this, just subscribe wherever you receive your podcasts. And if you like this episode, help us get the word out. Give us a five-star review. You can also visit haventoday.org and sign up for our weekly email and find additional episodes posted on our blog. And as always, thank you for joining me once again on Great Stories with Charles Morris.